Well, let me jump in on that point because I think every time I hear this passage um, preached in any kind of context, the, the thing I, I feel like preachers always emphasize is Paul's declaration that says, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Have you guys heard that preached? I mean, they always press in and encourage us, fight well, run to the end, never give up. And if I'm honest, I'm not a fighter. I've never been a fighter, I've never been in a fist fight. I've always been the girl holding the books and the, and the jacket of the person in the fight. Um, never jumped in. So the, the image of fighting for me always kind of washed over me. But there was something about racing that I can grasp onto. And I don't know if it's because I grew up in the 80s and Flojo, that was a thing. I don't know if it was I wanted to race, but I couldn't because I couldn't really run that fast. But no lie, every time I would think of the image of, of, of running the race and finishing it, I would have this image. And, and maybe you've had similar images where I'm running and I'm weary and I'm tired. And there's people in front of me, because obviously I'm not the fastest runner, you know what I mean? Like, there's people in front of me. But I'm running and I'm tired, and then all of a sudden, I see the finishing line. And that red tape is like sprawled across. And I don't know, something in me, just like I get this boost of energy and I start sprinting. And I'm running, and I'm running, and I'm running, and, and I leave all these people that were in front of me, behind me, because it's my dream. It's my, it, it, it's, it's my image. So all, I pass all those people all of a sudden, and I bust through the tape, and my face is on the jumbo, scr jumbo screen, you know? And, and people are cheering and chanting my name, and there's confetti, and there's lights, and people are like holding me up and lifting me up, and then I grab my Belize flag, and I like drape it around my back, and I'm doing like a victory lap. You know what I'm talking about? This is how I glorify the ending of my life, all the time. And if you're honest, many of you have secretly glorified the end of your lives too. I mean, we have dreams about the end of our lives, being healthy, being strong, having a spouse that still looks good at 85, you know, not too wrinkly, not too sickly, still got it going on. Retired, maybe have a little extra money so you can go traveling. You could do all those things you couldn't do when you were busy working, busy doing your microchurches. You're, you're, you're older now. Maybe you're surrounded by your children and maybe your spiritual children, all the people that you brought to, to know Jesus. And, and maybe you're, you have this strong legacy that they always talk about and joke back to. And maybe you can take naps during the day. You know, maybe you still have a microchurch, and maybe you're still going strong, and, and maybe you started other microchurches around the city, around the, the country. I mean, can you see yourself laid back just a little, reflecting on your life, sipping on your lemonade? Can you see that? Am I the only one? Am I the only one who has had these thoughts? Am I the only one who has thought about finishing the race and it looking a specific way? Because when I look at Paul's finishing line and read his last words to Timothy in this chapter, I don't see confetti. 
I don't see a crowd chanting his name. I don't see him laid back sipping on some lemonade. I see sadness. Paul is imprisoned again, rearrested by Nero and his empire, and they want to repress the gospel of Jesus Christ, and they want to destroy anyone who identifies as a Christ follower. I see betrayal as Paul sits alone in his cell and reflects on his life. And he writes to Timothy about this betrayal, and he named names, and he talks about the desertion, and, and, and he knows that his death is fastly approaching, but his death is coming from his own people. But somehow in the midst of all of this, I also see beauty. In the midst of the darkness, he recounts his sacrifice, his fight, his race, his faith, and his awaiting reward. And then there is hope because he asked Timothy to bring Mark and to join Luke so they all can continue the work to spread the gospel to all the Gentiles. I see a testimony of a man whose life was redeemed, filled with passion and the spirit of God, weak yet strong in faith and committed to his calling that he had, that he knew that God had on his life. This is what I see when I look at Paul's life. What will people see when they look at yours? And more importantly, what do you see when you reflect on your life? What is your testimony? And, and guys, I know it's hard. I know it's hard at times to think about the end when you're living in the now. I know it's hard to try to find and answer questions as you're doing. I mean, we're doing all the things that God is calling us to do, but, but have we stopped long enough to, to see what God is actually doing through us, in us? It reminded me of um, when I was in college a long, long time ago. Um, my university staff worker uh, wanted me, wanted our leadership team to think, I think, about this question of the end of your life, your testimony. What's your story? Who are you? Who will you be? And so he took us to a cemetery. And he didn't tell us where we were going, so I thought, field trip. Hop in somebody's car, because I didn't have a car, and we're driving. It might have been Chrissy's van. You remember Chrissy? You got that van? That van took us a lot of places, y'all. So we jumped in Chrissy's van, and we're just following him. He didn't tell us. And then we pull up, and I'm like, yo, wait, what? What is this? Why are we here? And he, he gathered us, and we were confused, and we were unsure, and he was like, you know, talking to us about the end of our lives, and he wanted us to think about who, what kind of people we would be, what kind of leaders would we want to be, what, what kind of Jesus followers did we want to end up to be, and I just, I'm like, okay, yo, I'm, I'm 21, living my best life now. You know, I'm from Belize, I got my apartment, I'm like working at parking and transportation, and so if you've ever been at USF and gotten a ticket, you know how mean you are when you come in and talk to us about your tickets, but I was there, I was trying to like witness to people as they got a boot on their, on their car, and they had to pay that ticket before you register, I'm like, yo, but the Lord, 
is standing by your side, you know? I was there, I was doing my thing, and, and he's like, think about the end of your life, and, and, and I'll be honest, it was hard. I was 21, the end, I felt like I was just beginning my life. And then he, he went even a little further, he was like, what do you want your headstone to say? And I'm like, uh, I don't know, let me look around, loving father and son? Dear wife, mother, and nana, in loving memory of something, beloved daughter and friend. <coughs> Guys, and I tried, I tried to think about the end of my story. I did. I tried to dream about what it would look like. I tried to be deep and come up with some deep, like, thing to put on my headstone. Then I thought, no, 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 I'm going to just be witty. I just want people to walk past and laugh a little, you know, be like, oh, look at this person, you know. I try to think about a life that would honor God, but still be as fly as it could possibly be. I had all these thoughts, all these plans, all these ambitions, and then I realized that something was missing. The truth is that God is never changing. He remains constant and true throughout our entire lives. So all I needed to do in that moment was stand witness to the fact that God was already doing something in my life. All I needed to do was be present for a second and become aware of the fact that God was doing a work in me right now. I did not have to wait until the end of my life to figure that out. Underground, we don't have to wait until the end of our lives to reflect on who God was in the midst of it. We can reflect on the truth of God in our lives now. As we remember, because, I mean, this is why we run the race in the first place, right? If you don't stop to remember, you'll forget why you run. We don't wait until the end to figure that out. You don't have to wait until your dying breath to recognize and share the faithfulness of Jesus in your story. And I, I think Paul knew that. That's why he wanted his friend, his son, his mentee, the future leader of the church, to know this truth about his walk with Jesus. And in verse 17 and 18, he says, But the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength, so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all Gentiles might hear it. And I, will deliver, and I was delivered from the lion's mouth and the Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever, amen. These were his last words, and I wondered if he hoped, if Paul hoped, that they would be the words that would anchor Timothy in his journey as he led the church. I wondered if he hoped that these truths about God and how God was faithful in his life would be the words that would remain on Timothy's lips as he continued to preach the gospel to all nations. And I also wonder if we, this community, 
needs to hold on to those words as our truth and our song as well. I wonder if these truths of God should be a part of our story and what we tell the world around us about who God was, who he is, and who he will continue to be. So I, I just want to reflect on those part, that part of the passage, verse 17 and 18. And I want to encourage you again to listen and to be aware of what God is saying to you. What is he saying about your story? What have you forgotten? When I first was asked to, to preach this passage, um, these verses, 17 and 18, jumped out at me. But especially the first seven words of verse 17. But the Lord stood by my side. It kind of like gut checked me. It's simple yet powerful. And I, I felt like I could reflect on Paul's life in the Bible and hear him say through it all, the Lord stood by my side. When my friends deserted me, the Lord stood by my side. When I was lost on the road to Damascus, the Lord stood by my side. When I was stoned and left for dead, the Lord stood by my side. When I was on trial and nobody came to my defense, the Lord stood by my side. And when a Roman sword will end my life, the Lord will continue to be by my side. Paul knew that all he needed was Jesus and nothing else because Jesus is the only one who will remain completely faithful throughout our entire lives. He's the only one. So when your community fails you, when your best friends betray you, when the demises in your microchurches choose to love the world instead of loving Jesus, when the Alexanders in your life try and attempt to break you, when leaders you loved and led break your heart, you have to remember that there is a God who calls you friend. a God that calls you friend and he is more committed to you than any brother or any sister could ever be. Guys, Jesus is our original ride or die. The one who will never leave you nor forsake you. The one who is faithful and present and near. And because of this, you never have to run the race alone. You never have to fight by yourself because Jesus is with you. Jesus is with you, and he always will be because he always has been. You are not alone. And no matter how you feel, no matter how you feel, you are not alone. And no matter what the world tells you, no matter what they say you're supposed to do or supposed to, to act or supposed to lead or, or do it by yourself, be strong enough, be a man. No matter what the world says, you are not alone and you don't have to be because Jesus promises to be with you to the end of the ages. The Lord stood by my side. This truth is a part of all of our stories. Think about it all the times that you knew that the Lord was by your side. And then Paul continues by saying this other truth about God. 
He says, the Lord stood by my side and gave me strength so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. The sustainer of life strengthens you. The creator of the universe knitted you together, breathed life into your lungs before your mother ever knew you were alive. He is our strength. He is our rock. He is the one that supports you and lifts your weary head when you can no longer do it. Jesus does this. He is strength. But he doesn't do this for us for our sake. It's not for our comfort and for our gain, but it's for the sake of the world. The Spirit of God fills us to overflow so that we can tell the world about God a God who saves, a God who is for us, and a God who loves us. And I know you know that. We, especially in this community, this community of missionaries who are always compelled to to reach their neighbors, to reach their street corners, to reach their boardrooms and their mommy and me classes, to reach their campuses. I know you know this. But what about the world that lives outside of your little world? What about the part of the world that you can't see when you open your eyes? What about that? What about them? I mean, can you see your neighbor that lives in another country? Can you see the stranger that lives in another state? Do you see my people, my Central American brothers or sisters that are being caged and dehumanized in Texas? Do you care that another unarmed black boy named Anton Rose was shot and killed by police this week? Have you forgotten? Have you forgotten about the war in Syria? Have you forgot about the unrest in India? Have you forgot about the drama that's happened in Colombia? And Sudan, have have we forgotten that we have a value for the underground here? We have a value that's in our manifesto for the whole world. And guys, I couldn't even remember what the value was. I couldn't remember the writing. Do you guys know what it is? I had to look it up. This is what we believe, though. This is a part of our story. And this is what our value, our value at the underground says. While we understand that our most transforming ministry will take place, where we are planted and in our own cities, we commit ourselves to the mission of God to reach the whole world. We believe that Jesus came as a savior, not for one people, but of the whole world. We value the world because we believe that God is a global God. And we, we assume responsibility for the world. We assume responsibility for the world, not because we believe that we can reach it alone, but because we have accepted the mandate of the Great Commission and the heart of God to love and sacrifice for the, this, 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 for what? For the discipleship of the world. We accept this apostolic mandate to send and to be sent to every part of the world and our place in partnership with the global church. We have committed ourselves to the mission of God to reach the whole world. 
you, you're part of the underground, you have said that, yes, I have, I have assumed responsibility for the world. And that seems like so much. I know that seems like a lot. I know the world is big, but the Lord has given us enough strength to go to the end of it. He has given us enough strength to go to the ends of the earth so that we, so that through us, the message might be fully proclaimed. Underground, the whole world is a part of our stories too. It's a part of your story. And maybe for some of you, you feel a little disconnected from that truth. And I know, maybe some of you have forgotten. Maybe you've gotten a little comfortable in your own little world. Maybe you're a little apathetic. Maybe you're a little numb. Maybe you feel like you're woke enough and you don't have to do any more work. Maybe, maybe you don't know. Or maybe you don't know what to do. So you stay silent and you don't do anything. Hear me say this morning that the call to proclaim the message of Jesus is your call. Embrace it. Lift your voice and go. The world is waiting on you. And maybe for others of us, we feel very connected to what is happening in the world. But maybe you feel tired. Maybe you feel overwhelmed. Maybe you feel shut down and frustrated as you try to fight for racial injustice. Maybe you feel overwhelmed by, by the systems that have been built on white supremacy. Maybe you're questioning, did your life really matter anyways? Maybe you're weary that lament has become a part of your everyday life. Maybe you're just tired and you've gone to countries, and you've gone to cities, but you are getting to a point where you're just trying to figure out it doesn't even matter anymore. And I want you to hear me say, the call to proclaim the message of Jesus is your call too. But know that Jesus will strengthen you and give you what you need, so don't give up because the world still needs you. And all of that that I just talked about, all of that drama, you know, that, that's what the enemy wants to use. He wants to use our, our comfort and our laziness and our fear and frustrations and our apathy. He wants to use our privilege against us. He wants to, to use our cowardice and our pain and our broken systems and our abuse and our addiction and our cancer to end our race. I mean, he's coming. He's coming for us. First Peter 5, 8 says that Satan prowls around like a roaring lion seeking Someone to devour. Someone. That someone is you. That someone is you, just in case you were wondering. It is you. Because Satan wants your faith to be destroyed. He wants your passion to be quenched. He wants your call to love Jesus and the world to shift to only loving yourself. But Paul, my boy Paul, 
reminds us again of another truth about who God is. He says, and I was delivered from the lion's mouth and the Lord will rescue me from every evil attack who will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. The savior of the world will rescue you. The great I am will deliver you. Evil attack is a part of our story. We all know that. The snatching of our faith and our will to follow Jesus is always being threatened. But God, but God stands by you. And he will not let you be consumed. He will not let you be overtaken. He will not let you fail as you try to fight the good fight and run that race and and hold tightly to your faith. But the Lord stood by my side. That's what I would want on my headstone now. I know, just a couple years, just a couple, like 18 years later. I know now, though, because he's faithful. And he was true, that, that statement was true then and it is true now and it will be true in 10 years, in 15 years, when I'm 85 and looking fly. It will still be true. I'll invite up the worship team as I close. I've been feeling really emotional this week, especially um, as you are given a passage that forces you to, to reflect on the end of your life. It, it, it forces you to look at the works of your hands and, and, and the calling on your life and the things that you said yes to and that things that have been good and then the things that you said no to and the things that have been bad. And I've clung on to Paul's words as though they were my own. That the God Almighty, the beginning and the end, he stands with me. He strengthens me to preach the good news to a world that needs him. And he will continue to protect me from every evil attack from the evil one. And when I mean that this became so real this week... It has because my doctors called me on Monday and say, we are concerned about you. I've been sick now for almost four weeks with swollen lymph nodes, pain, fatigue, fever, a fever for four weeks consistently. And they've run all these tests. I mean, they ran a TB test. I'm like, people still getting TB in 2018? I thought, that, I thought, we, I thought we figured that out. I thought, you know, I'm not coughing. They, they, they don't know. They don't know. And so they're just running all these tests. And so finally, they said, well, you know what? We're running a CT scan of, of just a neck in your head. And I was like, I'm good. The Lord stands by my side. I'm good. I'm good. Go ahead, run your tests. Go ahead, run your tests. So they ran the test, and it came back, and it was negative for cancer. Praise God. But, but, there was a but, and a big but, because the radiologist was like, you know, we are suggesting that she gets a PET scan. 
because of her history with cancer, which I have had cancer, and this year will make it five years, and, and this is kind of like the end of that race. The five-year mark for cancer, that's like the end of the race. The, the likelihood that you would get that cancer again goes extremely lower when you, when you hit that five-year uh, mark. But they're like, because of that, because of that history, you guys need to make sure that she gets tested, her whole body, because what could be happening could be from something else happening in her body that we cannot see. And that's when I started to, to shake a little bit. That's when I wondered, is God really by my side? You really going to let this happen, though, God? I already had cancer once. How many attacks of cancer are you going to bring? Because it's only 14% for me to have a different cancer. Like, you can have one cancer, but there's a small little percentage of people that will get another cancer. 14%. And I'm like, am I the 14? And so I go in on Wednesday, and I do this PET scan, and I've never done a PET scan before, and they put this, like, radioactive stuff in you, and you radioactive like a superhero. And, 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 and they leave you because you're radioactive. The nurses, they can't be around you. And my ride or die, Ryan was like, I'm here, I'm staying, radioactive or not. I'm not leaving you in this room. So we in here with my radioactive self for an hour. And then after that hour, they push you back into the CT machine. <clears throat> and the CT machine, this time, you have to be in there for almost 30 minutes. 30 minutes. The other CTs I've got would be like, ee, ee, okay, you're done. This is like 30 minutes. And being still and being quiet and listening and praying, guys. And as I was there, I thought on Wednesday, I have to speak on Sunday. No matter what the results are, I have to speak on Sunday. Because if I don't, it would be a betrayal of the spirit of this passage that God stands by our side no matter what. And I'll be honest, I'll confess that I thought about backing out. When Lucas was like, you know what, I got you if you need to, if you need to pull back if you're not feeling well, I got you. I thought about it. When my friends kept on questioning me, like, are you sure you're going to be able to make it? Are you sure you're going to be able to carry on? Are you sure? I wondered, am I going to make it? Am I? You know, when people start talking, I start thinking, am I? Am I going to pass out? I don't know. What? Should I? Maybe I shouldn't. And as I stood in that seat, as I laid in that CT machine, I remembered that the Lord stands by my side. He always has. He always has. And so why would he stop now? Why would he stop now? The truth of God standing with me has been true my entire life. And in that moment, doubt and fear, it fled. And I was able to continue running the race. And I laid in that machine and I started thinking about that image that I shared with you in the beginning about what it looks like to end the race and run over that finishing line. And, but it, it looked a little different this time. Maybe because I was radioactive. Maybe because I was like, oh my gosh, 30 minutes in this machine. I didn't think I was claustrophobic, but maybe I am. The ending was different. I approached the end of the race, and 
And I didn't see my face on the jumbotron that time. I didn't see flashing lights and confetti waiting for me. All I saw was Jesus, mighty in glory, waiting, waiting. And as I crossed over that finish line and fell in his arms, I rested there. And guys, there was a great celebration happening. People were cheering and, and, and chanting and, 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 and going crazy. But the celebration wasn't for me. And guess what? The celebration won't be for you either when you cross your finish line. The cheers and the chants of praise will be for the one who receives us at the finish line. When our race is over and death ushers us into the kingdom of heaven, we will join the massive crowd of witnesses that sing, to him be glory forever and ever. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. And guys, we will know that song by heart. We would know every word because we would have shouted it a million times here on earth. Because to him be the glory forever and ever is a part of who we are, is a part of our stories. Praise is a part of our story. And as Lucas makes his way up here to lead us through the end of communion, I wanted to let you know that the doctors did call me back on Friday and said that the tests were negative. And to him be glory forever and ever. But look, I've had a whole week to reflect on the end of my life. A whole week to think about what ifs. And, and where, where were you, God? And remember, for him to remind me that he is faithful and that he is good, and, and for him to remind me of the ways that he wants to strengthen me and use me for his kingdom throughout the world, and for the ways that he reminds me that I saved you. You had cancer, yes, but you didn't die. That was me. I saved you. And so I want to give us time. I want to give you time to reflect to reflect on your story, to reflect on your life. We don't have to wait till the end of our lives to do that. So I'm just going to invite you to bow your heads and I want you to think about your testimony. I want you to think about you as a witness, sharing, thinking about what God has done in your life. I want us to remember, I want us to remember that he was faithful do you remember that moment? Is he bringing it back to mind? Do you remember that time when you felt weak, like you couldn't go on, and he strengthened you? Can you recall that? Do you feel that burden again for, for that country or that place that he is calling you? Do you remember do you remember? Once you do, once you remember, once you reflect on the end of your life and that the truth will, that God will continually be by your side, guys, there is no way that you can contain from praising 
God. There's no way that you can contain yourself from shouting out to him be glory forever and ever. Amen. So I want you to sit. I want you to remember. I want you to think. I want you to to hold fast to your story. The story of God in your life. And as you come to the table, I want you to worship him. I want you to cry out to him. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Jesus' commitment to you is unfailing. And just like she's mentioned, there's a lot of things that might go through your, your personal life, your ministry life, in your microchurch, accusations, people who walk away, people who betray you, things not working, issues in your personal life, physically, mentally, emotionally, in your family, and those things try to speak to you a different word about the faithfulness of Jesus in your life. And so receive this morning that word. But the Lord stood at your side and strengthened you so that through you the message might be fully proclaimed to the whole world. And it was on the cross that 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 faithfulness to you was screamed to the world and sealed for eternity. On the night he was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it, saying, this is my body broken for you. Eat it in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup, poured it out, saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood shed for the forgiveness of sins. And when you drink it, you drink it in remembrance of me. So this morning, come to the table in worship. Come to the table proclaiming the death of the Lord and His unfailing commitment to you over those lies that try to say the opposite. Come this morning in desperation and in worship to Him and His unfailing commitment to you. When you're ready, the elements given for you.